Hey gang, welcome to episode 11 of No Proscenium, the podcast about immersive and interactive theater. I'm Noah Nelson, your host and founder and general top weirdo. Uh, this week's episode, we've got Abel Horwitz and Juliet Bennett Ryla coming to talk to us about haunts and escape rooms. Uh, Abel is sort of my go-to guy on that stuff. Uh, he did a lot of work with Zombie Joe's Underground Theater and is one of the, the masterminds between, behind uh, taking their urban death show and turning it into more of a haunt-like experience. And Juliet writes for Elliot and has been doing some pieces on escape rooms, uh, doing a lot of them actually, and is now sort of our uh, the, the leading expert on escape rooms here in L.A., uh, I'm sure of which she's probably going to resent that I said that right then and there. Sorry, Juliet. Uh, this is a fun conversation. Uh, if you're curious about this stuff, you want to know the state of it in LA, want to know what makes a good one in the eyes of people who've gone to a lot of these things, this is a great episode for you. Just a couple of quick notes in the news. Uh, item one, Third Rail Projects, the people behind Then She Fell, they've got a new show coming up. They've got a Kickstarter for that show. It's called The Grand Paradise. Uh, the concept looks great. The video looks fantastic. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited that it's coming up and through, and they've already made their goal, but they could probably definitely use some more money, or you should just check it out. Go on Kickstarter, look for the Grand Paradise from Third Rail Projects, particularly if you're a fan of Then She Fell, you probably already know about it. And if you're a fan of Then She Fell that I know, I've probably already personally told you about it. All right, there's that. Uh, next on the list, uh, there's a, a fun a solo show here in town called Broken Bone Bathtub. You might have seen uh, a, an article in the LA Weekly about it. I was there that night. Uh, and for the record, before I plunged my hand into a bathtub going after a bar of soap when there was a naked performer in it, uh, the performer and I did in fact discuss whether or not I was going to do that. That didn't make it into the article. I would like to clear that up right now. Okay, uh, enough on that topic. Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of the news and notes. Uh, I just recorded a much longer version of this about two seconds ago, listened back to it, and said that is way too long. Let's get to the conversation you came for. Here we go, Haunts and Escape Rooms, episode 11, No Proscenium. All right, the cold open is over. Uh, Noah here, you know my voice. Uh, sitting directly across from me is... Abel Horowitz. And to my left is... Juliet bennett Rila. So, uh, guys, uh, why don't... Juliet, let's start with you, uh, because today we just met. Like This this is not a trick. We've never met before. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, tell us, tell uh, the, the listening audience uh, uh, who you work for, because you, you're, you're a writer and you write about... Yeah, I'm an associate editor at LAist, which is a blog about Los Angeles, so it's everything from crime to restaurants and drinks and fun stuff to do. So it's kind of anything and everything that happens in and around LA. And how long have you been doing that for actually? So I've been there for a little over a year. Cool. And what do you what what tends to be the, the heart of your beat? So I like to write about um, animals and Halloween and uh, events and um, I do a lot of stuff with um, history and then I guess why I'm here is I started writing about escape rooms, and I think maybe I was one of the first people to start writing about them extensively. So now I just keep finding myself stumbling to, into things that have to do with escape rooms. So in a sense, you're trapped in escape room coverage. Yes. <laughs> how, how many hours do you have to escape the escape room coverage? 
You know, every single one is an hour, but I think this might be like a long con, so. Yeah, it's starting <laughs> to feel like it. <laughs> Abel, uh, Abel and I have known each other for a little while. Abel yes. actually came to, uh, we met, we met. November, it. last November? Yeah, or September? September, yeah. because before Halloween. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. it was. Uh, that was, that was submersive, which was a little unconference we did before we started uh, this podcast or anything. Right. And Abel, uh, at the time was, and I think still is with, uh, well, I don't know if you still are, but like you were Zombie with Joe's Zombie Underground. Joe's Underground yeah. doing Urban Death. Yeah, correct. And uh, you've sort of, you've been writing, because kind of, I guess with Juliet, through Juliet, yeah. been writing at uh, LAist uh-huh. about some of the, the haunt style escapes, but also like haunts in general. And mm-hmm. I know that that's, that's sort of your world. So, right. so that's what we're going to talk about today, guys. We're going to talk about haunts and escape rooms. And that is... The big blind spot in my uh, own personal knowledge of of this part of you know immersive and interactives. So, I guess let's start with like a little elevator pitch type thing of like for someone who doesn't know, and you started this a second ago with describing escape rooms. So for someone who doesn't know what an escape room is, for those who've never been to one, what's what's the the archetypal escape room? So most people are probably familiar with it in video game form. Like you played Myst or Seventh Guest or one of those types of games where you are in a house or you're in a location and you solve puzzles to advance the game. And that's kind of where the whole thing started, except that in Hungary and Eastern Europe, they started making these in real life where they would put people in a room full of objects and clues and puzzles and eventually you'd solve your way back out of the room. Um, and then that that started up in America and now... So when I first wrote about it, I wrote about this one called Trapped in a Room of the Zombie. It's kind of all over the place. It's, it's like a franchise. Yeah. And that was just part of our Halloween coverage. And then I learned that there were several more. So we did a roundup of about six that were kind of all opened relatively recently. And then within three months, there were six more. Yeah. And these rooms keep getting more rooms. So it's kind of just this explosion into this, this immersive game. But it's pretty simple. Um, generally, you'll be in some type of room or space, and it'll have a theme, like you're in a detective's office or a laboratory, or sometimes you're in a serial killer's house, <laughs> and it's scary. Um, and then you just kind of have to look through everything, every book, things on the shelves. Um, there will be a lot of locked boxes or locked rooms, either padlocks or directional locks, and you'll figure out and solve these codes, and you'll open up those, and then You'll advance the game, and, and finally you'll get out. And there might be hidden rooms, there might be trap doors, there might be... Zombies. Zombies, all sorts of... Some have actors in the room. So there's a lot of different components. But basically, the number one thing that you're doing is you're in a space and you're solving puzzles. Bang on. Mm-hmm. Um, Abel, I think I think most people are familiar with the idea of a haunted yeah, house. Yeah, of course. But... There's, there's sort of this almost other tier to it. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, the haunt versus your 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 regular old haunted house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wrote an article last Halloween for LAist and I titled it Next Level Haunts. Um, and people kind of batted that around a little bit. I think that uh, in the wake of Sleep No More, a lot of people have kind of have started to re-examine what they could do within a haunted house. And Los Angeles, which has so much creative energy and has so many people with backgrounds in you know, set design and lighting and audio, 
um, as well as the space and as well as locations where they could make unique things. Um, LA has really uh, been a wonderful place for these haunts that are a little bit different than you walking down a hallway and an actor jumps out at you and scares you. Um, and so we have a couple of companies uh, at the top of the pile, I would definitely say is Delusion, which is created by a man named John Braver, where he finds locations. He's found mansions and a church uh, that um, he can rent out and he'll craft a story, a very immersive story. And it's haunting and it's macabre and you go through it and walls will shift, monsters will emerge from places that you wouldn't expect. And it's very scary, but in a much different way than, again, walking down a hallway and something jumping out at you. And I mean, and one of the things that's interesting to me about LA's kind of horror scene is that there's yeah. the long-standing tradition of universal horror nights right. during during the October season, and mm-hmm. there's and there's not scary far. So, and tons of people go to that. Are is this the same audience that's going to this, or I, is it is? Well, I mean, I think that the advantage that places such as Knotts and Universal have is that a lot of people will only do one big one. And they'll they'll spend the money to go to Universal, or they'll spend the money to go to Knotts, and then they'll they'll call that Halloween. But for others, and there are uh, plenty of them, they will continue to seek this out. So there's a bunch of professional haunts, and then there's a bunch of amateur haunts within Los Angeles that have um, that are wonderful and at such a heightened level. Um, and so I think that these aren't for people who will only go to one haunted house. These are for people who are connoisseurs of haunted houses and they'll try to see as many as they possibly can. I mean, how many wind up popping up during the season? Yeah, I can't give you a number because it changes every year, but what does it feel? 15, 20, yeah. you know, between um, the really well done amateur ones and then the really well done professional ones. I'd say there's probably about 20 that you can go see. Um, and there's various websites I, I would like to think, I hope that I write uh, another article for LAist um, closer to October about it, but um, a good resource is Theme Park Adventure, tpaonline.com. Uh, they, they're constantly keeping a database of what's going on in Los Angeles and in the haunt world. Now, Juliet, when, when you went to the Trapped in a Room with a Zombie, uh, it was part of the, the Halloween coverage you were doing at the time? Is yeah, it, it just seemed like a, a fun, like, oh, here's a good Halloween thing to go do. And that was that was your first escape room. So, like, what, yes. what was it the reaction from the audience at Elias to, to the article that kept you going? Or did you find it, like, really kind of fascinating and strange? People liked the, the Trapped in a Room thing. Um, they enjoyed it. We, we had a lot of people click and say, hey, I'm going to go try this out. Um, but the experience itself was pretty fun. And trapped in a room with a zombie is a very, like, bare-bones operation. Like, you go in a room, it's just, like, this warehouse space, stuff they got from the thrift store, just random stuff in a room. And then the, the thing that's unique about it is the zombie. There's a there's a zombie on a chain, and every five minutes the chain gets longer. So you basically have to get all the clues away from the zombie and pull them into the corner, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Because uh, if the zombie touches you, then you have to sit down where you are, and you're, you can verbally participate but you can't run around and open stuff and that's half the fun mm-hmm. um so we were in a, it was uh me and one other person that i knew were in a room with a bunch of strangers that we had never met before and it was kind of just this 
um, overwhelming experience. Everything was everywhere. There were a bunch of clues. We didn't know what to do. Everything was all over the place. Like, couldn't find, you know, you, you maybe one person had the solution and the other person had the lock, but they weren't communicating. Like, it was just, it was just a mess. Um, but it was really fun. And it was something that I noticed, like, everyone was standing in the parking lot talking about afterwards. They were mm. like, hey, wait, like, whatever happened to that one key? Like, where did that go? So I was like, oh, that went into this lock. And um, so then when I found out that there were more, I actually got contacted by a guy who, um, he does the urban urban race, urban scavenger hunt type stuff in LA. He had just opened up an escape room also downtown. And then when we went and did that one, I was thinking it would be kind of like another standalone article. Like, hey, here's another thing you can go do. And that one was pretty immersive. You can actually, it's on Conan. Like Conan goes and does it and uh, is really bad at it, I think, on purpose. Um, and it's like One a, of his clueless gamer bits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. tries okay. to make jokes. And yeah, it's yeah. like a detective's room. And, and that was just like showed me how much different and how much more involved they could be. Because right. we're trapped in a room. It's just kind of like really fun and jokey and just half broken tables from Goodwill. This one was like meticulously designed. Like everything was from the 1940s. And there were all these photographs and uh, posters and everything was very stylized. Um, and then after we did that, after we did that room, we decided to go and and see if there were more, and it turned out they were, and they just, um, they really get more and more advanced, so I decided we would do a roundup of whatever we could find, and so anyone that emailed us back or, or responded to our phone calls and was like, yeah, come in and check it out, we went and we played through and wrote a little review about it, and then we had six rooms, uh, or I should say six companies, because some companies have more than one room, Right. so they might have a Pharaoh's tomb over here, but then a laboratory over here. Um, and the response to that article was huge. People were like, I want to play this. I play a video game like this. I heard about this in Japan or in some other country. Um, and I even, I even have people who will email me and they're like, okay, I played this one and I thought it wasn't hard enough. Like, which one should I play next? Or they'll say, hey, I've played these before, but I've got friends coming and they haven't. Like, what's a good starter room? And I don't, you know, I didn't really expect to know the answers to these questions. It was just something that, like, I thought was really fascinating and fell in love with doing but then I feel like I was maybe one of the first people in Los Angeles, at least, to be like, hey, this is this fun game and you should play it. And here are all the places you can go and play it. So now like, I get so many people asking me questions about it. Um, well, well, do you have a favorite you're willing to, to say in public is your favorite at this point? It's really difficult because they all have different merits. Like, I love how creepy the basement is. Um, but in terms of puzzles and gadgetry, I love this one called Maze Room where it feels like you're in a video game. Like, they have this stuff where, like, if you if you line certain objects properly, things will pop open, and uh, pulleys will activate, and lasers will shoot in, like, certain directions, and um, it's just really cool. And then there's one that uses virtual reality in, in part of it, and there's somewhere trapdoors will pop open if you do a certain thing, and they're really cool. Um, so it's hard to say which is my favorite, because... You know, in, in one, you might think, oh, these puzzles are really clever. I had a really good time solving these puzzles. And in another one, you might be like, I never thought that door was going to spring open like that. Like, there's just surprises in every single one of them. Have you been talking to the people who make this stuff and, like, what drives them? Yeah. So after the first article, um, I started getting emails from new people saying, like, we have a room. We have a room. And I even got emails from people, like, there was one in Anaheim. And we're like, let's go check this one out. Um and it's kind of become a thing where the rooms, by the when we go to them, are relatively new. That's why they're contacting us to say, hey, we have one too. And a lot of times they do set aside time afterwards. Because I put together, I had to put together a team eventually to do it. 
Because some of them, they throw you into strangers. But yeah. some of them, you, some of them, you buy your ticket and you go in with. Sorry. Oh. Stupid thing. I thought I wouldn't <laughs> do that. Apologies to everyone on the podcast. A pop-up popped up because it's <laughs> one o'clock and it's a journal prompt. Oh. All right, so you've done it. So you put together a team. Right. So sometimes you go, you, you say, okay, I'm buy my ticket. That's your ticket. Kind of like going to the movies. You don't know who you're going to be in there with. But other times you buy the whole room. Right. So you have to have um, a, a, as many players. And some of them, you know, it's impossible to do with two people. Some of them you have to even like, you're on one side of, of a room and the other person's in another room and you have to communicate back and forth or move like a rope back and forth. So some, you need more than... I've, I've been playing Arkham Knight, which is like the latest Batman game. And like, that sounds like the Riddler puzzles in that video game. It's like, yeah. and, and, and right now, like the game's set up so that you like Batman and Catwoman together will be in the room. You got to switch back and forth between the characters and you have to like, you know, you look through one character's eyes and you get the clue you need for the other character. Right. So then you got to go back and like physically do with one character what the other character's seeing. Well, I think that's an interesting um, statement to make because... Uh, personally, I feel that the reason that these things are popular right now is because the generation that grew up on video games um, understands the language of this. They, yeah. they get this, they understand the rules, and so um, and, and, and so there's a popularity to these things. And that's one of the places where this really crosses over with right. immersive theater, right? right? It's like, you know, people, it's no secret that Punch Drunk thinks about theater through the lens of video games. So, yeah, you know, Felix Barrett's always talking about that, and and it's it it's for me it's been boiled down to where the the whole immersive universe hinges on the audience has to have some level of agency. It could be a matter of controlling their perspective, or it could be a matter of having to solve a puzzle to unlock the next piece of narrative. Uh, but if if it's completely passive, if if you can just sit in a chair. And everything is going to come to you anyway. Then, like, it's just not immersive anymore. You know, you mm. don't have that, don't have that strength there. Well, I think the, um, I think something that I have not yet seen in haunted houses is a, a sandbox. You know, you are you are on a linear story, and while um, the world that you're in is very uh, beautiful and and it. You know, it's wonderfully designed. There still is you being guided through a yeah. story, and either in a group or alone. Um, there hasn't been anything that I've seen yet where you're walking around a world and um, and and you have free form and free range yeah. wherever you want to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta imagine that one of the core tools of of horror, though, is sort of locking down your perspective. Right. So there's there's that sense of and I get this in video games too, actually, like this sense of like, you know, there are certain beats that happen in one of these, in these sandbox story Correct. games where you know this thing where, oh, this happens, actually, I'm going to roll back. It's like the thing that drives me nuts about a game that's actually linear, but pretends to be a sandbox is you know that nothing actually advances unless you go to the next story point. So if something absolutely terrible happens in that story point, the actual answer to why couldn't I save so-and-so was, well, if you never tried to make things better, it wouldn't have gotten worse, right? This sort of Ouroboros, I said that wrong, but who cares, uh, <laughs> loop of you're the problem in this world. Right, Batman. right. Um, with, with a haunt, though, you know, it's almost the same thing. It's like you've you got to keep moving forward. Correct. You could stop, but they'll throw you out. 
right? You know. Yeah, and um, listening to Juliet talk about this, I think um, one of my criticisms of a, a escape game is the same as my criticisms of what they can do in haunted houses uh, when they try to incorporate the interactive element. Is that you're only as good as your team, and so if mm-hmm. you are, you know, if if you if you are able to craft your entire team and you know everybody and you can all communicate and you can all be friendly to each other, that's a wonderful feeling. But if you're in a room and you don't know half the players, half the people on your team, you might not get the same experience. It yeah. might not be as enjoyable. And there are have been times where I've been in haunted houses and in escape rooms where, you know, where they'll ask us to solve a puzzle and it, it entirely depends on the personalities of the people who are in the room. And, you know, most people are, don't know what the rules are. They don't yeah. know if they can interact or they're not, you know, willing to speak out about it. And so you'll just be sitting there and the actor will be waiting for you to, to, to come up with the answer. And then, you know, someone will kind of shyly say, oh, maybe it's the bookcase. And then, and then the story can move forward. But yeah. you're all just sitting there waiting for the next thing to happen well that's that's straight up exactly the way it is with multiplayer games online it's like it's all about your team and you know you go i i used to find certain games really fun because they were less team oriented so you jump in and you play nowadays you jump in with like a bunch of randos and if you're facing off against a team it's boring because you lose you just you, you lose it's miserable for five minutes or longer, and then you kind of wonder why you're doing this to yourself in the first place. And I've seen it play out where the team, where like a team has been not disastrous in a way, but um, like like one time we were playing a game, and uh, part of it was there's always a black light. I've never played an escape room, so, <laughs> so uh, sometimes you get the whole black light, sometimes you get a sunlit where you got to find the light bulb and put the light bulb in. So I was playing this. We were playing this one. Um, with some strangers, and they were really awesome and great and fun, and we had a great time with them. Except one of them put part of the black light in their pocket, and oh so um, one of the guys on Team Sean, like he's looking all over, he's got all the rest of the black light, and <laughs> he can't find this one thing, this one part. And so finally, just like, does anybody know where this is? And he's been doing this for like fifteen minutes, and you only have an hour and forty five minutes to get out of the room. Yeah. And uh, the guy's like, oh, it's in my pocket. And so as as a team for us, we've decided, okay. You're going to take all the things you find and you're going to put them in this spot. And when you solve something, you're going to take all of this and put that in the corner. So you're not, because you don't want someone working on a puzzle that's already been solved. Yeah. But sometimes that backfires because sometimes there's one game where you use the same key twice, which is not something you do in any other room. So we had put the key in the corner and totally just could not figure out this, this puzzle. And the answer was use the, use the same key again, which is not something that would have occurred to us. And that was kind of like a, that's because we as a team had played so many rooms, we never used the same thing twice, and we had this system yeah. for it. And then we also, um, in, in that same game, uh, we were with a woman, uh, we were in a really scary one of those actors, and they jump out at you, and um, you have to do some gross stuff to get, to get what you need. And uh, there is a woman who's not having it, like even from the beginning. She was, she was a woman who was thrown on our team, um, never met her before. She was not into it. She was mad that we had played other games. She thought it would ruin the experience for her somehow. Um, she wouldn't listen to anything anybody was saying. And then when the first actor burst out of the closet and went screaming across the room, she lost it. Like, she was so mad that it was scary. 
Um, but she wasn't willing to like hit the panic button and forfeit the game. She was going to stay in the game. And, and, and be miserable for everybody. Yeah, and these yeah. actors, like, their job is to scare you. And this, yeah. this, is, this is in the basement. like, Or uh, this is in, like, this, this um, like, serial killer-esque... Uh, spooky. How, how do you go to that and not know it's going to yeah. be I don't messed know. up? Yeah. But she, like the actors, they will creep you out. That's their job. And one of them was doing their job really well. And she just whirls around and she's like, that girl punches me one more time. Or that girl scares me one more time. I'm going to punch her in the face. And it's just like, like it ruined the it, Yeah. The basement is so fun. And we were having such a good time. But she was ruining it for us because she was so miserable in there. And, you know. Well, that sort of sucks that, like, you, you can get thrown on a team with someone who winds up not being in it, and that person can't just be tagged out. That there isn't, like, individual panic buttons, you yeah, know? Because sometimes, you know, if, if somebody really is claustrophobic and, and freaks out and they want to go, I want them to be able to go. Yeah. But then it's like, if you forfeit the game for the rest of your team, and, yeah. and they have different rules, but, yeah. you know. Well, that just seems like it's. it's it That feels like. Anytime if you're gonna if you're gonna have randos in a squad, like you should be able to kick someone. And I don't know if that's one where she could have left on her own or not. I can't remember. Yeah. Was there. So I have I have a question. Um, have you been in an escape room that has a narrative story? Do does each puzzle tell more of the story, or is it you know just random puzzles to escape a room? Some of them do. There is one that um, I didn't particularly care for clue wise. It, that I did in Vegas. I didn't write about it because I didn't, I didn't really like it. But it had a story and you were supposed to solve pieces of it mm. and then figure it out at the end. Um, there's also this one. Um, oh, it's called, they all have such similar names. It's called Room Escape Alain. It's on the Sunset Strip. And um, there are, there are, so in addition to getting out of the room, you're supposed to figure out what happened. So there's, one that's set in a bunker and you're supposed to figure out what happened. Like, why is this bunker allowed? Why do I have to, what am I doing here? Um, there's also one where, this is the one in Anaheim. And this guy runs his, like, a theater. So he changes, it's always in the same space, but he changes everything every four months. What's the name of it? It's called Puzzle Amazement. Okay. And so when we went, it was, you are trapped in this doll factory full of creepy porcelain dolls and it's haunted for this and you're going to be turned into a porcelain doll if you don't get out um and the storyline was that other people before you had been turned into porcelain dolls and you had to rescue them um so you don't technically win unless you find both the dolls and you can bring the dolls out with you and it's not structured in a way that you would be able to rescue the dolls and get out or you'd be able to get out before you got the dolls like it is linear in that regard um but that was something you had to do. Or, you know, there's other ones where you have to disarm a... It's, you're not escaping, but you got to disarm a bomb. Or you've got to open up this vault and steal all the diamonds. So mm. there are other sort of narrative components to it. What what in your mind makes a good one of these? Is is it is it the, the challenge of the puzzles? Is it some of like the story elements? Is it the production design? I mean, I know there's, there's so many different things that can go into it. Um, or does just one element just need to really shine in order for you to walk out saying like, oh yeah, that was worth the, the hour of my time? I think that almost all of them will be fun um, if you're somebody who likes puzzles. And there are a lot of them that will give you hints and help you along the way so you won't be stuck. Um, so I don't think you're ever going to have a bad time unless the clues just don't make sense. But um, to have it be 
a really good room, and this is something I've come to decide after playing so many. I really think it has to be, it has to have an atmosphere and it has to be consistent in theme. Because there are some, and it's like, hey, you're in an office, you're in a laboratory, and you're just in like a room. You're in like some space with like ratty carpeting and the wall. Solving anagrams. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, no, like, you know, paint it, put art on the walls, choose pieces, and, you, you know, at least at least put time into refurbishing the tables and the chairs that you use. Like, make stuff be thematically consistent. And that's something Maze Room really excels at. You're in a haunted castle. It looks like you're in a haunted castle. Everything, you know, the symbols that you see, the imagery that you see, it, it all, or um, there's one called Panic Room. A lot of the scary, the scary ones are really great. This Panic Room, Captured, The Basement, Captive LA, all the ones wow. where, like, you've been kidnapped by some crazy serial killer or you're in an insane asylum. Like, they're dark, they're creepy, they've got weird things written on the walls. Like, it makes you feel like, yes, I am really... Because for fire code reasons, no, you're not really trapped in a room. <laughs> but, like, it, it helps to feel like, I'm in this room, I've got this adrenaline. Some play music, as long as the music isn't too loud, like, I think that's a really cool, like, way to help tell the story because it feels like you're in a video game. So, number one, I would say, like, make your room look really cool. Make it make people feel like, yes, I'm trapped in this room, I'm in a dire situation, or i got to solve this mystery. And then I just, I feel like um, the other thing is there need to be um, a good number of clues, and they should be clever, but I feel like some rooms, they don't have as many puzzles. Like, some rooms have only three puzzles uh, for eight people to solve, and they make the room harder, not with the puzzles, but with stupid stuff like, oh, it's really dark in here. No one can see. So it's hard. And it's going to take you a really long time to get out of here because it's dark. And I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's fun. Um, or we played one where everything was a red herring. There was like a vacuum cleaner in there. There was a weight machine in there. None of this had anything to do with the game. They were just meant to distract you. Hmm. Um, some I've played some games where a puzzle is really interesting but the numbers on it or whatever you need, is they're illegible or you can't read them. Um, and then that ruins it. So as long as your puzzles are well-constructed and they're clever and they're not they're hard because they're challenging. They're not hard because the lights are off or because they're wrong or because... Yeah. And I think that just that it comes with once you have your room and it looks really cool and you've got your story, just have people play test it. Because sometimes, too, they're like, there will be weird language barrier things that you won't know until you have people playtest them. Some people are coming over from Russia and Croatia and Serbia and setting up these rooms here and American audiences perceive them differently. Like, there was one where there was, like, a little safe. Um, oh, this is fascinating. There's a little safe, and you come up with a four-digit code. And you, you punch it in, and then you press the button, and then the safe pops open. But if you enter the, the code incorrectly three to four times it locks and I don't know that I necessarily like that device because sometimes like the game the, the doll game Puzzle Amazement in Anaheim you knew exactly what clue went with what lock because they would match right but sometimes you have a bunch of numbers and you don't know where they go yeah if, if you have three four digit locks and you have Sort of, sort of the Tim Schafer uh, theory of puzzle making. I'm just like, oh, here's a bunch of clues. Here's a bunch of puzzles. Ha good luck with that. Mm. So you sometimes, know? It's, yeah, that's challenging because if your safe locks because the you have 
so many codes and you don't know which is the right one because they could conceivably go anyway and your safe locks are stuck for five minutes and you can't open that safe. Yeah. So we had the right code. We put it in, won't open. And, and you know, everyone's like, should we try it again? Maybe there's something wrong. Um, and that's another thing we've learned. Always try the code you think it is a couple of times because sometimes the lock is finicky or someone just does it wrong. Like always have two people try if you think. Yeah. If you, if you think you've got it, try it a few times. Make sure. Um, make sure that, make sure that, because um, sometimes we've gotten something right and then someone doesn't quite turn the combination. God. And then we think it's wrong and then we spend 10 minutes wasting time. <laughs> See, this stuff like that and stuff like the old Lucas LucasArts video games where like, you know, it would be that finicky. Yeah. Like, this is why I always got turned off by all this stuff. It'd be like, oh, no, no, I got it all right, but your mechanism was broken. It, it, or like, or like we were saying, like the lights are off or the, the numbers are illegible. It's just like, all this isn't a puzzle. This is just an exercise right. of frustration. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. So I've, that's one of the reasons why I'm not like well-versed in this stuff. Because I'm always, yeah. I'm always know like, I'm going to wind up in that spot where like, oh, they forgot to replace the one. Light. That's the thing I worry about the most. Like anything where there's like, you got, they got to reset the room. Mm-hmm. I'm always worried that like, no, someone walked out with something and right. they miss it. Yeah, there's too many moving parts. There's so oh, many moving parts. A good, room, a good room will have a system in place um, where they can quickly reset the room and they can be sure that everything yeah. is in its right place. And they'll have functioning locks that make sense. Yeah. Um, but this one, we put the code in Ended up locking ourselves out of the safe Ugh. and then couldn't couldn't win. And everything leading up to that had been so great. Finally, they come in and they're like, oh, yeah, you had the right code. But once you enter the code, you have to press C. And as an American, between E and C, like, what do those mean to you? Enter and clear. Like, so basically, you entered the code and you press C, which to us meant clear. Like, delete the number. Whoa. And not enter and apparently you can code, you can program a box to do that. I thought they all came the same way. So we're standing in there like idiots being See like, what though? See I don't for... know. <laughs> Complete? <laughs> like, so we're just standing the there hell? being like, one, two, three, four, enter. Why isn't this working? One, two, three, four, enter. Why isn't this working? And I, I guess there was a little C somewhere that we could have found elsewhere in the That's game. That's miserable. Ugh. But like to have it come down to something so so stupid and silly, it's like obviously it's our fault for not thinking That's of it an and not exercise finding. of frustration. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But if you have if you have a, a team go through, if you have your friends go through, if you have your teams, you know, like we've played so many, we have lots of opinions on them. We think they're really fun. Um, it's enjoyable for us to talk about them. Like have people go through because you're gonna come up on these these snags, or even like if someone thinks a six is a nine, etc. Like yeah. Things that you as a puzzle maker, because you're in your own head, won't think of. Having a bunch of teams go through, that will help you find, like, where are the snags? Where do people get frustrated? Because you want people to stay excited. Because there's, like, this mental thing that happens with these rooms and teams. Where um, you unlock a box, yay, endorphins, and then you go on to the next thing. But if you're stuck for too long, you, you lose that excitement. Yeah. And if someone's stuck because they can't tell if it's if they mistook a six for a nine or something really stupid, like then they're they're not gonna leave feeling as exhilarated. Because even if you lose, it's fun. But yeah, mm-hmm. but it's gotta it's gotta be down to the wire, right? That sense of like, oh, we had one more thing to go. We just ran out of time. We were too slow. Yeah. Not not such and such is broken. But there's the, right. And there's, oh, go ahead. Oh well, I um I'm just thinking of the experiences that I've had because I've done a few escape rooms and. I've never won 
and it always seems to me that I have one more puzzle. And if yeah. I had two minutes longer, I would have solved that puzzle. Yeah. And I, I guess it's hard for me, even though I've listened to Juliet talk about, to rave about a couple of these, it's hard for me to have the enthusiasm to go back because I've, I've lost twice. It's come down to the wire <laughs> yeah. twice. I, I feel like I've been burned and I don't want to continue down that path. I did, I've done one and it was in beta mode. So like yeah. we knew there'd be bugs, but we, we successfully completed it, but then the good ending didn't trigger oh. and they were like, all like, Oh yeah, you won. And it was like, well, it told us we lost. Right. Cause they had, they had it automated to like give you like a, like the good video or the bad video right. type deal. And that was, uh, that was a little disappointing. And by a little disappointing, I mean, <laughs> maybe majorly disappointing. I mean, like it was a beta though, you know, like yeah. your QA, you know, you're paying to QA test which is like the thing these days. Yeah, I try not to be too critical when I talk about a lot of them because I know that we are like the, one of the first 10 teams to play through. Right. And I know that things probably change after after those teams go through and they figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Since we're on this note of like what works. Yeah. Um, and and we, haven't, we haven't delved too deep into like the next generation mm -hmm. haunts, but I guess I want to ask the what works, what makes a good next level haunt in your mind. But before I get to that question, you've, you've done the alone stuff. I have. Right? Yeah. Um, some of my friends are like really, really, really into it and, I, and they, they desperately want me to go and, and I do want to go. But like tell, tell me a little bit about alone, the, alone about the alone experience. Okay. Um, alone is uh, started because – well, I got to back up a little further actually. There is a haunt that came to L.A. in 2012 called Blackout. And Blackout started in New York. Um, and it is, you know, you sign a contract, you have a safe word, they're allowed to touch you, and you go through it alone. And just that barrier immediately creates a sense of fear. And, um, and in 2012... Uh, I went through it, um, and for me personally, going through blackout made me realize just how, how uh, what you could do and still call it a haunt. And then two guys, um, Devin Paulson and Lawrence Lewis, two friends with creative backgrounds, also went through blackout, and they wanted to make their own. So in 2013, they made... Um, they made something called Alone, which had the same surface level idea of you sign a contract, there's a safe word, you go through it alone, you will get touched. And it was a very intense experience, a different experience than Blackout, which was kind of S&M, kind of abusive. Alone um, was a bit more visually interesting, a bit more beautiful, uh, a bit nicer to the touch I'd say and they did they would do things such as uh, once they got their their guest list they would look you up on Facebook find a few basic pieces of information about you so you'd go into a room and they'd be holding a picture of you or they would they would you know they, they told me they would talk to me about like you know go back to New Mexico which is where I'm from and to just have to just realize that that these people had done their homework on me was terrifying um, so then that was in 2013 and then from that they kind of, uh, and, and, and Blackout was not happy that someone had taken their idea. 
uh, I, I, I laugh because it's like, well, if something works, you're you're gonna right. get someone iterating you're, you're, on and, it. And yeah. you know, I think Blackout's criticism was that well, they took our basic premise, but the truth is, is that they, you know, they yes, they took the idea of you sign a contract, you will be touched, you go through it alone. There's a safe word, but within those parameters, you can go anywhere. Yeah. That that's merely the rules. Yeah. All right, so that you have to color it. I don't, and I don't get that with the escape room either. I don't really think they're in competition because you can only have these experiences once. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think going back to what I said, or said earlier, um, it seems that it seems that the general public would like one haunted house experience, and once they've done it, they've seen it all. Um, and so your and so your your business and your audience is really the consorts, the people who will go through multiple ones because they like it, as opposed to the people going, well, it's Halloween. I guess I'm going to try a haunted house. Uh, uh, Universal's too expensive, or let's yeah. try this new one. So that that's really the yeah. hurdle. Yeah. But um, for uh, after their uh, inaugural haunt, alone just dovetailed into a direction that is entirely their own, and um, and they've gotten further and further away from the idea of scare and gotten into just this very artistic creative you know uh, uh, piece I I, uh, I call it an art piece yeah. more than I'd call it a haunted house but last, last year they tagged themselves as an existential as existential haunt yeah. yeah an existential haunting and um, what they'll do what they did for last year is they created a um, excuse me they created a um, like a mysterious cultish religion called the Enola Foundation which is alone backwards and they would have a scavenger hunt and and um, uh, and they had you know events taking place in private houses and um, and you know even to get to their October haunt, they had an optional game where you could solve uh, you could solve word puzzles and you could go into bars and you could say passwords and you'd get tokens yeah. or go into libraries and open up certain books. You're starting to fold in like alternate reality games yeah. and sort of persistent immersive theater yeah. design into something that culminates in, an, in a, a ticketed event. In a ticketed event that um, bills itself as a haunt, but is really just an immersive piece, of, which is, but is really an immersive piece of art. Uh, and so this year, this season, they are having... Uh, four monthly events. So they just had uh, based on based on light, reflect, refraction, reflection, absorption, and diffusion. Diffusion, yeah. right? And diffusion just happened yeah. um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I bought it. I bought a season pass for all four of them. So June, uh, August, September, October are these events. You say season pass, and the funny and thing I is, I bought is, four tickets. Yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. but the, but the funny thing is, is like, I mean, it's it's. It's long been a standing tradition in theater to do, you know, a season, a, a season yeah. tickets and season passes. Yeah. But also, it's something that that's new to gaming. Right. Right. And so here you have this thing that sort of sits in between both worlds, but right. like the same kind of financial structure winds up being part of it. It's like, oh, you're, you you want all four and you want the haunt? Okay, boom, buy this package. Oh, they'll call. Did you get a discount for buying all four? Or I mean, you know, I mean, the first ticket was twenty five dollars or a hundred dollars for four with a t-shirt mm. so i don't know if i did i don't know how much the next ones are but halloween last year i think was 40 to 60 dollars depending on uh if you want in front of the line pass or not mm. and so if it is the same structure as it is this year then yeah i got a discount cool yeah that's really cool um 
Yeah, I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Oh no, no, that's that's that was like the heart of it. Like, well, uh, I think that um, I, I you know I just went through diffusion, um, which was wonderful and exciting, and there were rooms where there would be a strobe light, and and you'd be you know you'd have a guy trying to start a party, and um, and it was weird, and you'd be with a bunch of other people who were also going through it, and you know they'd insist that you play piano even if you don't know how to play piano. And only after it was done, you know, I uh, uh, I read the description that they posted just on the wall of the theater that they were in and talked about how we want to create senses of anxiety, we want to create senses of dread, we want to create senses of um, paranoia. So it's 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 colors of the rainbow rather than just being horror, rather yeah. than just being fear. This is all of these different feelings that that fall under the fear category yeah. that we are trying to explore exploring and maybe even trying to like trigger some catharsis because i mean that's the thing about horror yeah. is like you're in this realm of catharsis of like you know being freaked out confronting the darker impulses maybe like embodied in some Correct. form and then it, and then like that somehow exteriorizes to you but like the most I, I know for like a lot of people who are genre fans of any kind, like the most horrifying thing is the idea of a party that's just not going well and you're in the spotlight yeah. and like, I don't want to be playing piano in front of people I don't know. I don't know how. Like, well, that, yeah, that that's is kind true. Of and I think another element of this all is that you go through something scary and then it's safe. At the end of the, at the end of it, you walk out, you're not hurt. Yeah. You know, maybe you have some, Psychological, psychological scars, scars <laughs> but ultimately you're paying it for a ticket yeah. you don't walk out abused and yeah. you get to experience these emotions that you know yeah they they cause you they cause you anxiety but that you ultimately get out safe yeah and i think that that's a big element to this as well well and i think i think for haunts and for escape rooms and for kind of any kind of story thing like we we talk a lot about like you know the sort of the, the moral dimensions of narrative yeah. we talk about like you know what does it mean or literary interpretations and etc but at the end of the day like what makes this stuff valuable at the human level is you know we feel something and we, right. like we feel something we don't get to feel in our in our normal day-to-day -day existence for whatever reason and maybe it's a good thing that we're not feeling anxiety and dread or you know the the the, the paranoia of being stuck somewhere, but yeah. like it's completely within the realm of our actual experiences. So True. getting to go play in this space is, I think, important. What makes a for you? What makes a good a good haunt? Like stepping away from alone for a second, because I think it's yeah. such its own its own thing. Yes. Um, that that I really really need to go do. Yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, there are people who will, will drive. And I, I I'm not resisting it at all. It's like I could are not. Are you scared of it? No, I'm not. Actually, like, and last year I really wanted to. Of like all of them, I said, oh, that sounds interesting. Right. And it's just like October wound up being really expensive, and this time out, um, it it just it fell on like the one weekend that I Fair could enough. not. And that's it. that's yeah. the other problem is yeah. the timing because in yeah. LA. You know, it's all about timing. Let yeah. me before we go on to next thing. Sure, I'd like to I'd like to highlight something that Alone did last October, which I thought was brilliant. Please. Uh, so you go through the. And hopefully, everyone can't hear the neighbors' music. Yeah. So I apologize if you guys can. Yeah. Last time I checked, shoestring guys. Yeah, yeah. Last time I checked, and and I didn't. Uh, these guys, they, they love their music. Um, unlike my old neighbors. So. Um. All right. So last year at Halloween, you go. You go down to the flower district downtown at night. 
So immediately you're already on edge because because mm. you know this is where there's homeless encampments. This is this is a little scary. You're not sure if you you don't really feel safe. Um, you go through the experience. They they literally push you out into the back alleyway, and you walk, and you're walking down an empty street in downtown Los Angeles at night in Skid Row. And this is not where you need to be. This is not a safe place. And you're walking and a homeless man starts to yell at you. Hey, look at me. I'm talking to you. What are you doing here? And and that was just such a visceral fear. And I didn't know if they had if, if this was an actor, it could very well have been uh, a homeless man harassing me alone on a darkened street. I didn't know. And then I'm walking. I'm trying to ignore him. I'm not engaging. Uh, and all of a sudden, someone grabs me, and they push me into another building, and I'm in the second part of the haunt. I thought it was over. I'm being harassed on the street, and all of a sudden, there's an entirely new part of the haunt. And that was to borrow the term, next level. I had never been in a situation where I thought it was over and all of a sudden I'm thrown back in. Yeah. And I really credit them for just continuing to push, continuing to do something new and unique. Which is funny because like in horror movie terms, yeah. that's the the monster isn't dead beat. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the exact same Just beat. when you thought you were out. Yeah. Guess what? Guess You're what? not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's surprising how like effective... I mean, some of these things are I mean, tropes even, because even they to work. see it on your faces as I described that, like both of you kind of oh, tightened yeah. up a little bit. Either so you or someone else has told me that exact same right. story well, before, so and, profound. and every time, like it gets me. Yeah, you know, I think someone was telling me like I could see my car was what someone was telling yeah. me. Once. Maybe yeah, that was you. No, it was not. Me. Okay, someone else told me they were like I could see my car, and so I started walking towards my car, and the guy started yelling at me. Right, and I think they like ran into a doorway. Like for them, it was like there was a guy standing at the door. Was like, hey, come in here, come in here, yeah. come in here, and like he runs in there. Yeah, and finds that, and it looks like it's a club entrance, and no, it's part two. It's part two. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So uh, as you were asking me, what do I think makes these good? I think a lot of it is the anticipation of not knowing what you're going into. Mm. And I think that a lot of the signing a contract, uh, going through a loan, I think that a lot of that just whatever is inside is not nearly as scary as what's in my head. And then I think um, there, there's there been a schism. Uh, I think blackout caused a schism is that there are some that are extreme. And I don't think they're creative as much as they are violent. Mm. Um, uh, McCamey Manor, which people have called the Mount Everest of haunts. That sounds San Diego way, right? It's San Diego. It is a man. It is his garage. He videotapes it. It could go on for eight hours. And there is just something about that that people are flocking to. But that is not a line that I want to cross. That is not why I'm in. And isn't that one, if memory serves, the lore there is, or at least the mechanicals of the lore, is that it's free, yeah, but you, you but you, but it, the whole point is to try and survive it, and like, because it's eight hours long, and like, people yeah. are always tapping out, and like, there's like... Well, it's eight hours long. Yeah, and there's like yeah. pig guts and stuff. For eight hours. Yeah, no. I mean, there's, there's just something, but I think that there's, there's, there's this mindset of how far can we push this yeah waterboarding has gotten into these things this is not and i think that for some people 
that is what they want, and I can't discredit that yeah. as long as, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I hope they're safe. I hope they don't get hurt. Yeah. But that is, to me, that's not the creative element, and that is how can we how can we mess with these people? Yeah. And so... Can you create the same effect without stripping someone down, throwing them into a room yeah, with, with where, guts? Or where and, the walls are electrocuted. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I, like... So I think that if you're asking me what I like, I like the artistic elements. I think that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, delusion is beautiful. Alone is beautiful. Um, and, and I really give them, and then there's one called Wicked Lit, which takes place in a mausoleum. They use old stories. They use Poe stories. They use H.G. Wells stories. Um, and it's beautiful. I take my mom to that. Nothing's going to jump out, but it's macabre. It's creepy. It's sinister. And it takes place in a beautiful setting. And for me, there's an aesthetic quality that I want. There is the sense of dread built into it if I'm because I've been through so many of these so if I'm if I'm feeling scared to go into it um, I really think that that's important and then to show me something new because uh, again Alone's first year was blackout but slightly different and then they went in their own direction and so that makes me who's been through enough of these who helped create one at Zombie Joe's Underground which I'm not talking about by the way um, and uh, it just to me, that is good. Show me something new. You can do so much within the realm of calling it a haunt. If you show me something different, that I will support. Okay, two more things, and then, and then yeah. kind of like open up, and then we'll we'll close. Yeah. One, um, I haven't been to Wicked Lit. Yeah, I have gone to a stage reading of a done. piece that Unbound did yeah. on the mystery Unbound side. Unbound Productions is the company that yeah. does Wicked Lit, and and on that one, uh, I I gotta admit I was I wasn't. I mean, it was a stage reading too. They were workshopping something, mm -hmm. but like for various reasons, I was like, I wasn't so into it. And it felt kind of, you know, we, 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 it was, it was like a slightly site specific and that we were like moved from spot to spot to like, uh, watch a performance. But it, then we were just watching was play. It was, Sherlock? it was the Sherlock yeah. piece. Right. So, um, but tell me, tell me about the Wicked Lit. Is it, uh, is it yeah. more like you're, is it deconstructed or are you sitting down at spots or is it site specific theater or is it, is it? Is it kind of like a, that line between a haunt and a... And a... Uh, well, what Wicked Lit will do, um, they'll go into a very beautiful space. They've been at the Altadena Mausoleum for several years now. Yeah. Um, and you uh, you go in, they have a courtyard, and um, you know they, they, for example, they'll do the Mask of the Red Death. Mm -hmm. And in the courtyard, they'll have you know Venetian or... Uh, Whatever country it was, yeah. European country, and they'll uh, they'll they'll be dancing, and they'll be merriment, and they, um, and they'll uh, they'll entertain you, and then uh, you're all assigned a different color, a different group, and you'll go in and you'll see a story, you'll see um, uh, the, an Edgar Allan Poe story, you'll see a folklore tale based on La Llorona, you'll see um, you know you'll just see various stories from literature. That they can get that are out of um, in, but they're in the that, public that they're in the public domain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you'll you'll be walked through. At points you'll sit. At points you'll stand. Um, uh, you'll be you'll be guided through. And then it will conclude. And then you'll go back into the courtyard. You'll see an interstitial. And then you'll start on another path. Okay. Uh, and so there are creepy elements. There are moments that you are very scared. 
But like I said, it's something that, you know, you're not being grabbed, you're not being harassed. It's something that I would, you know, take my mother to and show her how beautiful. So sort of like there's, it's kind of sounds like a combination. Like there's, there's kind of a base level reality they've got. And then there's like some processional elements that have some design elements. And then you come to like a vignette Uh and you you witness the vignette and then you kind of move on to like the next one and the next one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so do you want to talk about, about... I mean, I, if, if I'm here, I got to plug my Yeah, yeah, plug, plug. Um, I, uh, th- there's a theater in North Hollywood called Zombie Joe's Underground, and they've been doing a show for years called Urban Death, which is not, there's no plot to the story, but you go into the theater, the lights go down, the lights go up, you see something macabre, uh, something scary, the lights go down, the lights go up, you see something else. So it's performers, there's a dance element, there's a miming element. It's all terrifying. Sometimes it's very sexual. Sometimes it's very funny. But all of it falls under a very horrific mindset. Um, And I got involved with the show and I pitched to them, you know, if you turn the lobby into a haunted house and then had a little mini show, people will come. People who would not come to see to, to theater regularly when they know that it's a haunt, they will come to check it out. And so they've been batting around the idea for a few years, but when I stepped in, I think they really started listening. Uh, and we created, we, the, the performers, the producers, Zombie Joe and his co-director, Jana Weimer, uh, we all created a lobby and we just, you know, we used, we, uh, we took the lobby and we put in, you know, giant, grocery bag sheet or uh, plastic tarps and we hung them from the walls we painted them we lit them we added a fog machine uh we had a mini show at the end of the lobby after you follow through the maze uh and then you and then when the mini show is over you walk back through the maze but the actors have moved they're in different spaces all while you're holding a flashlight that we have muted we've taped around it We've put filters in it, so you're getting a very small view uh, to add to the horror of this all. And as you were talking about earlier about, well, it's not scary, it's just lighting, but this is, this is what we do in horror. Uh, and, and the audience was the largest the theater has ever had for its first year, and twice as large the second year. Um, and I'm very proud of that. I feel like I contributed to this genre that I love and that I made something and that I found a group of people who were willing to help me um, that I couldn't have done it alone because I didn't have the resources. And it was it was wonderful and I'm very proud of it. And uh, 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 and it will be coming back in October. It's at Zombie Joe's Underground in North Hollywood. And it's scary and weird and wonderful and i hope people who are listening to this check it out groovy <laughs> we're, we're, we're hitting about the hour mark here uh or yeah. about to get close to it so let me just kind of toss this out for our, kind of our last topic and yeah. for both of you like what's what's exciting right now like what are you what are you what are you seeing that's that's out there or, or what's is there something like in the crossover space between these two or what uh, what are you looking forward to popping up on the horizon here? I mean, we've, we've covered, we've got, like, well, the alone cycle has begun. So we've kind of like, 
Yeah. Done, done um, that, that line. Alone's begun. Wicked Lit uh, is doing a is doing something right now, but I don't know when this podcast will announce because it's going on tonight and then next week, and then they're going to start their Halloween cycle. Right. Um, I guess something that's been driving me wild is the virtual virtual reality. Um, uh, I've started to see hints of it, but I think that. But, that, but then I started to do some research into it, and uh, there's this thing called Google Cardboard, which is I bought a $3 piece of cardboard on eBay. It got shipped to me. I assembled it. I stick my phone, the phone that I have in my pocket, uh, as, the, as the view screen, and all of a sudden I have virtual reality. And the thought that, that that virtual reality is that accessible is making me crazy. <laughs> um, the other day I got to go see a short horror film called Catatonic, which you're in an insane asylum and you're uh, in the virtual world. They, you're in an insane asylum. You're in a wheelchair. They wheel you around and you see a short five-minute horror piece. And it makes me think that there is so much potential for horror short horror pieces in virtual reality. Yeah. And my next my next goal is trying to figure out how I can film something for virtual reality. Well there's 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 so much there's so much crossover in between and we talk about this on the show a lot, between the immersive theater and VR cinema, immersive yeah. cinema. Uh, and then if you look at some of the stuff in the gaming space that's been done, there's this great game, um, oh God, I can't remember what it's called, but essentially it's a it's a bomb defusal game. Yeah. You play with the Oculus Rift, but the idea is that like, Juliet, you'd have the Rift on and you would be looking at uh, the bomb in VR yeah. and Abel would be outside. Is that the like Keep Talking? Yeah, keep talking yeah. Or, or we all die or something like that. Oh, wow. and, yeah, and then like and then Abel, you'd have a book, a physical book, and you'd be like, I'll cut the red wire. So that thing in the movie oh, where it's God. always like you're talking <laughs> to the person who has the manual, the other person's got the yeah, thing. Yeah, it's so cinematic. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, and that's the thing, like all this stuff is like really cinematic to me. Right. So I guess and I, this this is I guess a question for you, Juliet, because you've seen so many of the escape rooms. Like, what is something what is something that you're dying to see or what is something you'd, you'd really like to see? It could be something you've already seen you want to see more of. Well, I, there is... So Enigma Room has a virtual reality component. You get you advance to a certain part of the game and one person has to wear the Oculus Rift and everyone else has to figure it, figure it out around them. And that was really cool. And, and I think that would be cool to see more of that, although it is an expensive piece of technology. So I understand if startup rooms can't... can't embed that um well um sorry to interrupt but i think that this google cardboard oh you think that I mean, people could use the google cardboard in the well it's just crazy if, if it cost me three dollars to now have vr i really think that that it's not as expensive as as oculus rift it's mm. not as high quality but it's still very effective right. but i mean i guess if you're going to design a vr element yeah. right because like that's the thing is like you won't be able to just like rip something like for consumers you can yeah. get like certain experiences through cardboard that that you know you can also get through the rift and then and other things in the rift or all the other ones uh that are more elaborate but if you're designing the vr content you're still investing in like you either gotta learn unreal yeah. or you gotta be yeah you know, there just, is there is yeah, a cost there. yeah Absolutely like it's, a cost. it's 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 a lot more than like the the three bucks for cardboard or the the thousand dollars for a rig that can run an oculus it's also the development costs so but 
I could, I could imagine. I mean, that's something. One of my friends just moved to Orlando, and she snapped a picture. There was an escape room place in a strip mall in Orlando, and on some degrees, it makes sense. Like Orlando is another big theme park uh, place, and so you, I, I feel that's part of the thing that drives the spillover. You mentioned like, oh, all these things are listed at like you know theme park theme park adventure, yeah, right? It's like one of these things. Well, like this, the, this is themed entertainment, right? Uh-huh. You know, that's another way of, of looking at it, and so it's natural that it's happening in Orlando. But you can plug these. Like, the one in Anaheim is it is it in a strip mall or something? Or? No, it's like it's like next to an amusement park, and it's just it's it's <laughs> it looks like a house, um, which is I think why he did the dollhouse theme first because yeah. they just open. It looks like a house. Um, I guess the and, you know the basement is next to a like a sex toy shop yeah. in Silmar. Yeah. Um, the one that's like oh, the Silmar, most so uh, scary. <laughs> the one Sorry, that's the most immersive is probably captured which is in downtown LA and you and it's it's the same storyline serial killer he's got you so I'll be way out and you can live otherwise you die and it's in a warehouse so even going up to it it's it's creepy going in and that is something that I think would would be really interesting because there's a there's a game going on right now it's a year-long game it's called the lost years of Kali oh yeah yeah. um and we did an article on that and I have explored because you explore the town virtually Online, yeah, yeah, and you can click, oh, I'm in the post office, oh, here's a letter, oh, I'm going to read the paper. And I haven't explored the town as much as I'd like to yet. But the game goes on for a year. There's clues, there's different levels of participation. I think if you pay like $15 or something, you get physical evidence sent to you in the mail yeah. and some perks. And then there's monthly events. They haven't had their first one yet, but I, I think it's like August 1st, and it's like, I like British the polo, polo. Yeah. 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 And oh, we're I, out of town, so it's like a scavenger hunt, and it, and it goes on all year. And if you miss one, you read about it in the paper the next day, and maybe you can go to the next one. And yeah. Like, and I think that's a really cool, immersive game. So what I I think what I'd like to see with escape rooms, and I, and I think this would be hard to do, but possible because they do it with like the Great Horror Campout, is have it be like a, a longer game. Because you know you think you you know you're spending twenty five to thirty dollars, or a lot of them are in Groupon and you're spending less, but you're only getting an hour. Yeah. You have an hour to get out of the room. You either do or you don't. Sometimes maybe you only spend thirty five minutes in the room because you're really good and you get out of the best. Hashtag humble brag. Oh. I don't know that I don't know that I've ever gotten out of thirty five minutes, but I know that people have. Okay. Um, so. There's just, um, yeah, you go into a strip mall and you, and you have an hour of experience. But, you know, I think it would be cool if there was something that took longer or was more immersive. Like, maybe there's a scavenger hunt and you begin here. But, yeah, maybe you do have to go to the bar and get a token. And maybe only once you've got that token, you can go to this next place. Yeah. And then you get into the escape room. Because I think, I think what people like about the escape rooms are the stories, the atmosphere, and the puzzles. Well, what could be interesting, I mean, I, I'm paying attention because of the article you did about um, was it you there with the article on, on Lost Tears? Yeah. Or, okay, uh-huh. so yeah, so didn't misidentify, yeah. So I've been paying attention <laughs> to the Lost Tears of Kali, and like, I, I'm, I'm actually a little confused about like their, their pay scheme, because like, oh, you can buy this, you can buy the mayorship, or you can buy, there's like four or five things you can buy, and I'm like, and because they haven't had a live event yet, I'm like, well, I don't really know if I want to buy anything, yeah. because like, point and click adventures online, they're, they're point and click adventures online. Like, it's like, okay, like, I'm going to get like some ARG background. I do like that they're putting out the newsletter, and they seem to be like actively talking with their community, which in the ARG world is almost something that, you know, well, the puppet masters aren't supposed to talk to the players. Like there's this whole, there's a set of rules around ARGs that, that they, they, they might know and are ignoring some of the standard things, but I'm glad because I've always found ARGs fascinating to watch at a distance and just way too involved for me to actually 
dig into. And I say this as someone who can lose five hours at a time playing a video game. There's just something about an ARG that I think gets back to that, well, if I if I don't have an abacus, I can't solve this puzzle mm. type feeling. Right. And, like, and those, those are actual problems. Because I was there at the beginning when they were doing the, the one on for the movie AI called Cloudmakers. And I have friends who oh, were like... I remember that, yeah, yeah. I have some friends who were like big fans of that and who were major players. And I have some people I know who were the guys who made it. And like, I loved it in theory. And I was like... This is obtuse to me, and I remember uh, the same. Some of the same people did uh, the Year Zero one for uh, the Nine Inch Nails album, and I loved the storyline of that one. Watched it at a distance, but it had things like every single Nine Inch Nails, uh, every single Year Zero album was heat sen- had a heat sensitive coating on the CD. So it, you got it, and it was black. You stuck it into your CD player, and it shot out, and it had changed color, revealing codes. And I got that thing on the day it came out and listened to it in my car. And so I shoot the CD out and like the CDs change color. Like, oh, what the hell happened? It's broken. I was like, oh, no, it's a clue. Oh. And like suddenly the world is magical, right? Yeah. So like I love that sort of stuff. But I think that there's, there's – I think someone's got to crack the business puzzle part of it. Right. But you look at these things like you, you get these mystery boxes that people are subscribing to online. Oh, yeah, those are great. Right? And you get something like an escape room. And if people were thinking about this stuff in – this is a free one for you guys. Try and use the principle of, of additive narrative so that each one of these things needs to stand on its own because maybe you're not in L.A., but you can buy the boxes. Yeah. So you get the boxes shipped to you. Or maybe you don't want to spend $200 on boxes and you just want to go to an escape room. Well, if you've got these two things living in the same world and they're complete experiences in and of themselves, you're going to enjoy them. But if you have both experiences as part of something you've done, then hopefully they give you additive comprehension and like make the world seem bigger. It's like, oh, here's another – you think of like an episodic television show. It's like, oh, it's another episode of Star Trek, the yeah. old Star Trek, the non-serialized Star Trek. You know, it's like, oh, I love those characters. I love this thing. I love this world. Yay, I got another story. Uh, and it just keeps keeps building up. And it doesn't necessarily have to unlock some grand giant narrative because maybe no one ever gets around to the giant narrative. But like if you do it thematically right, you step away far enough and you go like, oh, I, I really understand those characters now in a way that I didn't just by doing the one thing. Um, and so I think that could that could kind of get to some of what uh, what you're after there. And, and I think that might be even where we're headed. Well, you know, um, after this season alone on their website has, has this thing that they're basing off of the movie The Game, the David Fincher movie The Game, yeah. in which you apply for the slot, you go in for an interview, you agree to let them interview your family, your friends, learn about your history, <laughs> and they'll craft an experience around that. So maybe you'll be walking down the street and maybe someone will come up to you and say something. And while in theory that sounds wonderful, the thought of giving up my privacy almost to that extent is is terrifying. You know, and, and while it would be fun at the beginning, I think that there is just that part of me which which wants to be able to stop it, which yeah. wants to have ultimate control over saying, I'm done, I got it, thank you, I gave you my hour, I gave you my day, now I'm going to go home and I yeah. don't want to think that you guys are following me. There's, there's a, 
artistic troupe that's been doing that kind of work for the better part of a decade now, maybe longer actually. Yeah. Their, their name escapes me at the moment. I know someone who's collaborated with them. Um, they have they have a much different view, and and that's all they do. They just do theater pieces for one, and they it's bespoke. It's designed for one person, yeah. and like they they work, they get playwrights writing up pieces, and they do a full immersive. Uh, and from what I could tell, some of the people in that collective, like they have no interest in the kind of things like the issues that some other people in the immersive space have about like throughput. Well, how can I share this with more people? They just want to go, how can I make this as intimate, mm. as individual, as unique of an experience as possible? And what I love about this whole universe of stuff is that it can contain that that continuum, you know, from the bespoke piece, like this is just a piece for Abel. Yeah. Um, the best birthday party I ever had was when my friends did a LARP just for me. And so like, I was like the protagonist of my LARP. Mm-hmm. Although one of my friends insisted on winning and like he didn't quite get the point that it was my day and I was supposed to win. So it turned out to a draw. And that's why we're no longer friends. Actually, no, we were friends for 10 more years, but now that's why we're no longer friends. Um, <laughs> no, Toby's not listening to the podcast. Oh, I know he's not. So like, <laughs> like that guy. Um, yeah, but like that's the thing is like, like designing something having experienced something kind of like that it's it's amazing it's incredible yeah but it's totally a luxury and it's not something it's an artistic endeavor it's not something that necessarily can sustain an artist unless you get completely into the patron world of like oh yeah we're gonna make this bespoke piece for you by the way that would be ten thousand dollars which is which is what you know, it is like in the game, like, oh, we bought a millionaire, you know, a hundred thousand dollar experience. Yeah, the gift that no one else could give him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh and and of course naturally we were talking about alternate reality stuff, so inevitably we talked about the game. Uh those are the rules. That's the way the conversation works. Uh, oh yeah, does every podcast ev- not every podcast, every any discussion about alternate reality games inevitably brings up the game. That's so funny because, you know, it, it seemed like the movie came and went, but all of a sudden it's relevant again. Well, it's because it, it came and went, but with a certain number of people, it left a deep yeah, impression. Yeah, left a deep mark. <laughs> uh, how can we find you guys? This is the social media part. So if we want to catch up, Abel, because I'm looking at you first and then we'll let Juliet end. Um, I say Twitter. I love Twitter. At uh, Abel Horowitz, A-B-E-L-H-O-R-W-I-T-Z. Uh, you can contact me that way. Um, I have a personal website, www.abelhorowitz.com. Uh, I wrote eight short horror films that are uh, that got filmed, and they're online, so I'll plug that uh, if you go to my personal website. But Twitter, Twitter, awesome. Twitter. Juliet, how do we find you? Um, you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is jvryla, J-V-R-Y-L-A-H. Um, and then I'm, I write for LAS five days a week, so I'm usually over there doing stuff. Um, not always fun games. Sometimes crime and animals. Animals or animal crime. What? <laughs> I try to avoid animal crime. Yeah. Mostly like uh, I like to go to animal like refugees and see what I can pet um, or feed carrots to. Oh, that's all. Um, oh, that is the best. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you done Have you done the uh, Malibu wine safari oh, thing? Did yeah. That and animal tracks. Animal tracks is really great. You get to pet so many things. Um, <laughs> Get to pet a serval and a kangaroo. Wait, a serval? What's a serval? It's like a big cat, <gasps> but it's not like a tiger big. It's like right, kind of like ocelot sized, like yeah. Babu in in Archer. Yeah, they're like they're like a medium sized cat. Oh um, boy! And just just to break the fourth wall, after we finish podcasting, you're gonna go over to 
Petco and I think pet I'm going to stalk the kittens at Petco. <laughs> stalk <laughs> away. <laughs> All right. So, um, so, so yeah. Kitten stalking can be found on Elias. So I write there, and then um, I'm also doing, well, I think Abel and I are both doing stuff at Scare LA, yeah. um, which is the weekend of August 8th. I'm doing a panel on escape rooms, obviously. Um, I think I think I have a promo code. I think if you want to go and get a discount, my promo code is escape. Awesome. Um, other than that, I feel like I'm just lurking on the internet. Like, I feel like I do a lot of stuff, um, but I'm just lurking on the internet. So. Yeah. That's a lot of people's jobs. That's and, my job. And I'm um, at, at Scare LA. I'm creating a, um, a dating game, a uh, serial killer speed dating, where it's, <laughs> it's networking, so right. any orientation, anyone could come. Uh, but it's in the speed dating platform, and then I have planted... One, maybe more, serial killers among the population, and it's up to you to figure out if the person you're talking to says who they are or might actually be a serial killer. So, so, but you're saying is you're basically running a normal speed dating. I'm writing. Event. I'm running no. speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> like, like two serial killers. That seems a little low for the yeah. speed dating. Uh, you got to up that ratio there. To well, get I'm some just assuming that naturally. Oh, it, it will get you're, more. you're covered. Okay, yeah. good. good. Okay. <laughs> on that note, uh, yeah, and Scarele for you horror heads out there. Uh, uh, like I said, in the last highly piece, recommend it. That you know, it's wonderful. L.A., it's uh, the, the one city in America where Halloween lasts at least six months long. Mm-hmm. And uh, as an October movie, I'm thankful for that. Um, well, when's your birthday? The 24th. When's the 14th? Oh, that's my mom's birthday. Oh. So, Maybe there. I'm your mother. Plot twist. <laughs> Suddenly, it's an M. Night uh, Shyamalan movie, uh, which the next one looks like it might not be bad. Anyway, okay, we've gone, we've gone off track here. Wow. Uh, guys, right. uh, here comes the outro. Okay, that was this week's show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know... I did. Uh, I expect to see the gang here again at some point in the future, and maybe, uh, maybe I'll get to join uh, Juliet's uh, puzzle-solving team. That'd be uh, that'd be fun for an adventure. How can you find us? They just told you how to find them. Here's how you find us: It's uh, No Persinium on Twitter. Uh, it's No Persinium on Facebook. It's Medium.com/slash No Dash Persinium. Uh, pretty much, if you Google no proscenium, you're going to run into us out there in the world. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of our Patreon backers. And uh, every week, every week we are so close to that next milestone, guys. Oh, my goodness. And then I get a better microphone. And then and then the episodes sound better. So uh, let, let's do this. Uh, I got to do a big campaign around that. Uh, but I'm lazy. Uh, and, you know, work for a living. Uh, put quotes on that. Uh no, really, no. I have deadlines. So uh, if you can spread word, if you can get a couple more people, that'd be great. All this stuff, everything we do depends on the word of mouth, the savviness of you, the community of makers and enthusiasts who are out there uh, looking for this stuff, making this stuff. Uh, and I'm just the birdie who tells all the other birdies. Uh, that is my sole claim to expertise or uh, responsibility <laughs> for that matter. Uh, next week's episode, if all goes according to plan, uh, it's going to be me. It's going to be Zay Amsbury, who is our New York coordinator. And, uh, we're going to talk about this crazy beast, what we're doing with it, uh, why some things make the cut and why others don't. And, um, I think a subtopic is going to be, uh, blind item bingo, of our least favorite immersive experiences. So that's right. Uh, I'm going to see if Zay and I, without naming names, uh, we may get a little catty. 
Why? Uh, because I, I saw a bad show the other day and I want to talk about it. There you go. That's it. Uh, this is no Nelson. This is no Persinium. Uh, yes, there are times I don't like things. Uh, I know it's hard to believe. Uh, but it's true. Until next time, I will see you at the show.